0: Welcome to the Serve Hour, insightful, provocative, opinion-shaping conversations that matter. Your host is Jim Blackburn. During this broadcast, you'll hear from guests who are taking uniquely different approaches to life and their work environment, and you are invited to take part in the conversation. Now, here is Jim Blackburn.
1: It's that time again. Welcome to the Serve Hour and a conversation that matters. Wherever you are and however you may be listening, thank you for making us part of your day. Our topic of conversation today, the unspoken truth about the painful consequences of success. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host for today's conversation, and my special guest today, good friend and mentor, is Maury Sheckman, the author of the best-selling book, Working Without a Neck and an internationally acclaimed expert on managing disruptive organizational change. Maury, thank you so much for participating with me today in this important topic of conversation.
2: Oh, I'm more than happy to, Jim. Uh, Good to be talking with you again.
1: For our listeners, Maury Scheckman is without question the most insightful, provocative, and opinion-shaping person I've ever met. He is an internationally acclaimed expert on managing disruptive change. He has lectured and consulted throughout the Americas, Europe, South Africa, and Asia about the how-tos of creating growth-oriented, self-sustaining corporate cultures, as well as developing leaders who are impact, bottom-line results, and the quality of life of their workers. Now, Maury, before we begin discussing today's topic of the significance of the painful consequences of success, I want to make sure our listeners know that we invite them to participate in conversation with us. So if you are listening live, we want you to call. The number is 866-472-5790. You can also email me at blackburn at serve and that's spelled S-U-R-V-E, com. If you are listening to our podcast, please feel free to email me at jblackburn at servepartners.com. Maury, let's begin with the consequences
2: of success.
1: W- what are we talking about here?
2: Well, Jim, uh, success is uh, to a double-edged sword. Uh, it gives you uh, opportunities that weren't there before, gives you choices that weren't there before, which is wonderful. The difference between successful and mediocre people is how many and what kind of choices you have in your life. On the other side of, of the ledger, success brings a lot of loss because all change brings loss. And what people are often unprepared for uh, is that they're dealing with losses in their life, personally and professionally. And we don't do a good job in our culture of preparing people for that. So one of the things that really strikes people is, wow, uh, things are not only changed, but I'm losing some stuff. I didn't expect that. I what? expected everything to be flowers and roses and, and great new opportunities.
1: Well, you know, Again, I think it's hard for some of us to accept the fact that when we're promoted or when we're Mm -hmm. given a special assignment or something that we we are experiencing a loss. What kind of losses are are we talking about here?
2: Let me give you an example of that, uh, Jim. When a company grows, the first casualty of, of growth of that business is the inaccessibility of leadership. And again, we don't talk to people about that and don't prepare them. So what happens in these companies is the leader whose talents allowed the business to grow is now at a distance from the people who helped him grow the company. So it's kind of a weird feeling that people have is all of a sudden they can't walk into the office of their former buddy that they helped build the business with. Now they have to deal with setting up appointments, dealing with a uh, a gatekeeper, and all kinds of things have changed. So when my clients ask me, you know, can I help them grow the company, I'd say, more than happy to. But understand that your relationship with the people around you, the people that you work with, will never be the same again. Are you ready to deal with that? Do you choose to deal with that? Because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So people lose the familiars in their lives, and one of them uh, is a relationship uh, with the person that's growing the business.
1: Would you then say that this is one of the reasons, uh, maybe subconsciously, that a lot of people don't grow their business, that it's a form of self-sabotage so they can keep everything as it is?
2: Uh, absolutely. I, I see it all the time that people slow down the growth of that business precisely because they sense that life's never going to be the same again, both personally and professionally. And understand that people's personal lives inextricably change when they have more professional success. They start to outgrow the people around them personally as well as professionally. Uh, and that's pretty scary. So in many cases, they shut that down uh, and keep the growth from happening that could happen.
1: See. Go on. And I'm just trying to think of how this manifests itself, because I can feel and I've observed the anger that people have in the bitterness uh, that they start directing towards, let's say, the person that's initiated this this
2: uh, new life to a business and so on. How,
1: how does all this play out?
2: It plays out in very smart people making stupid decisions, and they look at it and they say, "Gee." Why in the world did I make that decision? Why in the world did I choose to do that? Uh, and they don't know themselves on a conscious level why they did that. I often describe my work as keeping very bright, very smart, very ambitious people from doing stupid stuff. Because they do it all the time. And it doesn't mean that they're dumb. They're obviously not dumb or they wouldn't have had the success they've had. But it's amazing how they'll make decisions that everyone around them looks at and says, why in the world did you do that? And they don't know at the time.
1: Is, fact,
2: this, a, is this a form of denial? A sure, of- it's a form of, of denial, and it's a form of buffering the loss from really impacting them too greatly. Uh, the best corporate example of this was years ago when Disney – decided to open a Disney park in Europe. So they had all these discussions. They were very, very successful. They were making money hand over fist. And they had a bunch of meetings uh, in which experts, in quotes, brought in all this information about why they should set up Euro Disney outside of Paris. And other people looking at that were saying, are you people Crazy you're going to set up something about fun and America in France. You need to have lost your mind to make that decision. Uh, but they did it to slow down their growth. Were they conscious of that? Absolutely not. No. So they lost billions of dollars in a foolish decision, all because they were getting too successful. And corporations do it all the time. They acquire companies that are a stupid move. Uh, they merge with companies that make no sense at all, and this is all the slow down things you know, people and people do the same things in their personal lives because they 're getting too successful professionally
1: what What about yeah. the definition of success? Does this play into any of this? Um, one of the things mm-hmm. that i 've experienced over my travels is when i 'm visiting with people, and they talk about the desire to be successful, and I ask them what it means at best, mm-hmm. I, I get a vague answer I, I don't do people really even know what the definition of this is?
2: most people don 't uh, that 's a good question. Uh, most people tend to make it an issue of more money, better lifestyle, uh, all of which is fine, but the bottom line measure of success. Is do you have any more choices and any better choices than you had before? If you don't, then you haven't really been successful. And people are very puzzled by this because they don't really understand. They grew up with the definition of success meaning more stuff, not necessarily different stuff. And that's the, that's the core of success. That you have different choices and hopefully they're better choices for you and the people around you but we don't we don't talk about that much uh, in growing people up personally or professionally tell me more <laughs>
1: about uh, yeah. I'm hearing this more choices from you really for the first time can you expand hmm. on that help me understand what you are putting out here for me to think about and our listeners to think about with that being the the foundation of success you've got more choices
2: yeah more choices gives you the opportunity to have greater impact in your life and there are that's absolutely key for successful people uh successful people are impact players and impact means they change people by what they do and what they say in a positive way and highly ambitious people are, are high impact players. They want to make a difference in the businesses they deal with and they want to make a difference in the culture that they live in. Uh, and making, making that difference is, is what we call impact. Uh, and that's impact is heightened by being more successful, right? by growing a company. It gives everybody more opportunity. But, but understand that that's also scary. You know, one of the, one of the scariest things about living in a free capitalist society is that we give people a lot of choices and that's a burden. So choice is a gift and a burden at the same time because then you need to decide what do I really want to do with my life? And that's why most of the world is not democratic and is not capitalist because it's a heavy burden and You know, one of the myths we have out there is that everyone wants to be empowered. You know, my experience is very few people want to be empowered. Most people would like to have someone else tell them what to do. Why is that? Uh, Because it's scary to say, gee, I can now do 10, I can go in 10 different directions. The question then becomes, why would I go in any of those directions? And that sets you back on what are your core values. You know, and most people don't have a clue what their core values are. So they just assume not have all those choices. And that's why some very bright people place artificial limits on their own growth. You know, you know, my life's been traveling around the world and I have rarely if ever been in a country outside the United States where people would love to have more choices about their life. It just doesn't exist. So, uh, and because it's scary. It's a scary phenomenon. And that's what real leaders uh, face all the time, particularly entrepreneurs, you know, who love the idea of growth, love the idea of starting things. But once it gets going, they're not so hot about it. Because now they've got to deal with a ton of choices and that's that's scary stuff,
1: Maury. help me with you said about um, uh, you, you, you said a lot just now, and I'm digesting it um, one, you talked about leaders really effective leaders wanting to be impactful address the what's the perceived greed that's in the the uh, of the executive suites of corporate America. The idea that uh, our success is based on Wall Street. Uh, I heard a story just the other day of a CEO that is asking for hundreds of millions of dollars of compensation and is pledging that he'll double the stock price for that company, and if he doesn't, they don't need to pay him.
2: Where's the impact in that? I mean, well, well, the impact is uh, very much the risk that people like that take. <clears throat> Excuse me. If it works, we'll give other people who invest in that company a lot of choices that they didn't have before. Uh, you know, I mean, big organizations don't invest their pension funds in Wall Street because they like the idea of it. They invest their pension funds there, so that the, the the pensioners will have choices that they never dreamed of having before. So when people you know do all this complaining about the money made on Wall Street and the greed of people on Wall Street, uh, they're being a bit hypocritical, okay? Right? Because uh, people invest their money there for a very good reason; they're, they're going to get a return that allows them to live the kind of life they've always talked about wanting to live. So it works for both parties, but uh, Wall Street's an easy target because of the amounts of money. And the amounts of money that are are transmitted there uh, are there because people are being rewarded for taking risks. You know, one one of the the big myths in our our society we don't really uh, understand at all is that we pay people in America for taking risks. We don't pay them for hard work or noble work or virtuous work. We never have and we never will. At the basis of our economy is risk-taking. So if you don't want to take any risks, don't whine about the results because you can work your butt off and you won't make a lot more money. And if you will are willing to take risks, there should be an economic payoff for that. One of the problems we've had is that all often doesn't go with high-level C-suite people. They take no risks, and they still get a lot of money, which is wrong.
1: Well, when you speak of risk, though, I could hear um, some of our listeners thinking about policemen, Mm -hmm. firemen. I mean, those are risky occupations. They're not making the kind of money that we're talking about.
2: Uh, good point. Uh, there are, there are three types of risks. One is putting your physical safety in jeopardy. That's, that's what very, a few people do. Uh, number two uh, is putting a lot of money at risk. Uh, and number three is telling the truth all the time. The third one is the risk we really pay people for, right? Because that has more writing on it than anything else. So risk number three, actually telling the truth all the time, is what very few people do. And when you do that, you're putting a lot on the line. You're putting relationships in jeopardy. You're putting the future of whole companies in jeopardy. So we really need to rethink what is risk. The riskiest behavior uh, is not, in fact, taking physical risks. Uh, I- I've dealt with people like that, and they're not particularly risk takers. It doesn't bother them to cross the, the Grand Canyon on a tightrope, but they would never tell anyone the truth if their life depended on it. They, and, and that's what we don't understand we're struggling with in our culture. I still hear politicians talking about, gee, if you work hard in America, you're going to make a, a lot of money and you're going to rise to the top. That's false. It's not the case. You, you can work as hard as you. Coal miners are a good example. They work real hard, real dangerous. They don't make a huge amount of money, right? Because they're not in a position of interpersonally facing tough issues. And that's the highest risk behavior that we exhibit is telling the truth, all of that.
1: Um, and I think you just you you titled that, it's the interpersonal risk.
2: Mm-hmm. It's the highest risk. Yeah, and and that uh, that keeps a lot of entrepreneurs from being very successful. They're willing to work hard. They're willing to risk a lot of money. They're not willing to confront issues that eventually kill the business. Okay. We know know very clearly that 8 out of 10 small businesses die within the first 4 years. Now, why is that the case? Because the entrepreneur founded it won't confront any issues with his staff that is alienating customers every day. Years ago, a place I took my dry cleaning was in a great spot, had a great market, did a good job at dry cleaning, but had the nastiest upfront clerk I've ever dealt with. And I told the owner one day, I'm not coming back if you don't deal with his attitude any better. Okay, you're you're going to lose me as a customer, and I would uh and I would think that you're going to lose a lot of other people.
1: More didn't want to. Uh, yeah, yeah, let me jump in here because we we need a break, and I want to sure. come back to this interpersonal risk topic. Uh yeah. I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to the Serve Hour, and you are in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with host Jim Blackburn. That be me. And my special guest, friend and mentor, Maury Scheckman, the author of the best selling book, Working Without a Net, and an internationally acclaimed expert on managing disruptive organizational change. We are discussing the painful consequences of success and the phenomenon of how closely success is linked to failure. So Maury, when we come back, I want to continue this conversation. So, for our listeners, we will be right back.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of The Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying.
3: Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but... Never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously.
0: Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you.
2: Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the digital world. Learn how to be the savvy leader who looks ahead to the next wave of business innovation, digital world with game changers presented by sap on the business channel when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
0: The Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to blackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to our conversation about the painful consequences of success. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host. And I am in conversation with special guest, friend, and mentor, Maury Sheckman, author and expert on organizational disruptive change. Welcome back, Maury.
2: Oh, glad to be back, Jim. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. We were Maury and I were chatting when we were on the break there about I'm, I'm taking so many notes here. I can't keep up with him. So what, what I want to do for the listeners, and please, again, feel free to call in. It's 866-472-5790. And, Maury, we have an email here from Nancy that I'll get to here in a little bit also. Um, sure. Maury, let's go back to the three levels of risk, yeah. and in particular the interpersonal risk where you're talking about telling the truth. Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Uh, sure, sure. Uh, Yeah, the hardest thing to do in personal professional life is to look someone in the eye and tell them exactly what their impact is on you and how you experience them and how that is getting in their own way in terms of being successful and wanting to have the life that, that they live. We don't do that in business. It's very rare for people to really give their colleagues or their direct reports useful feedback, because it's going to generate a, an emotional reaction, and that deeply scares people. So I'll give you a quick example of that. Years ago, I'm working with a company. Their top salesperson who was just blowing the lid off for most of his career, all of a sudden ground to a halt, was doing nothing. The CEO asked me to meet with him, uh, and I did. And I taught, he, he started talking at me. Uh, and I raised my hand, took a time out, and said, I need to give you some feedback. This is perhaps the most boring conversation I've ever had. I uh And uh, all I want to do is get out of here as fast as I can. Now, did that hurt his feelings? You bet. It was intended to. Right? And the reason for that is that got his attention. First thing he said to me was, well, no one else has ever said that to me. And I said, Well obviously they didn't care enough. Well they would have said that to you, because you're getting in your own way. And until you stop being so boring, you're really going down the shoots. And you need to think about why you would choose to be so boring and conversing with people. Because that's not going to help you get sales and not going to help you get where you want to get. It's that kind of, and it turned out that we had a very productive conversation in which it came out that he no longer had any goals for his life. And that's why he was being boring, because that would drive people away, and they wouldn't find out his secret because they didn't know where he was going anymore. So that's the kind of thing I mean by by that third kind of risk. It's helpful, but it's scary
1: to do. When you give this type of feedback,
2: um,
1: doesn't it take... A certain type of of meaningful relationship before this works. I mean, if if you like in that example, you were a consultant. You were there. Mm-hmm. And he had he had an image of what you represented. But let's say you were just a right. fellow salesperson working with this guy.
2: Mm-hmm. I, and, I did yeah. well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say uh, I, I I heard that. Fairly often, it takes a relationship, and I agree, but but you got it backwards. That's what creates the relationship. You know, I hear people a lot saying, well, we need to build a relationship before I can give people some caring but tough feedback. I say, no, you got it backwards. That's how it's done. I, I meet people every day don't know me from Adam, and I give them tough feedback. And you know what that tells them? If I'm willing to take that risk up front, I'm sure as hell not going to lie to them later. That's what builds credibility. The earlier you risk, the greater credibility you have with people. The longer it takes you to risk, credibility is a question mark. Right, and and we got it backwards in in most of business. The people are somehow waiting for this magical relationship to develop when it's right in front of them. You want to develop a deep relationship quickly? Give people honest feedback right away. Well, yeah, occasionally, one more point about this. People will say to me, well, that's pretty harsh. And I say, damn straight, it is harsh. But you know what's harsher? Ignoring people and letting them self-destruct. That's really harsh. What? So, yeah
1: okay let let me take that a step further now. What about the uh, some of the behaviors that i 've observed in the workplace where the the person with the position power actually becomes pretty hostile they 're mm-hmm. angry um, they say things they say ugly things to the their people um, they're downright disrespectful.
2: yeah, where do you separate this? How do you separate? This? Oh, uh, good, good, good question. You separate them by intent, the intent of the feedback. I only give people tough feedback to help them learn and grow. I never give people feedback to show that I'm smarter than them. Hostile people always have a point to prove about how much they're better than other people. That's when hostility creeps in. And that comes from their own low self-esteem. So I give people tough feedback, as you know, all the time. And the initial reaction is not fun. As soon as we get through that, we develop great relationships because they know my intent is that I care about them and that I want them to learn and grow, and I want to give them useful information. I, I never tell them things to say, boy, am I smart and I have all these great degrees. That's never my intent. So... Hostility comes from your intent. Okay, what's your intent there? And for hostile people, it's to prove that they're smarter or better. So
1: couldn't a hostile, or let me just say it this way, couldn't uh, an executive or a business owner who has low self-esteem, has a Mm -hmm. high need to prove, has an underlying demeanor of anger, take what you're saying here and actually feel that they have a tool and they're turning it into a
2: weapon. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people ask me all the time, well, can't your information be misused? Absolutely it can be misused. Sure. There's no tool working with people that can't be misused. But the issue is twofold. Uh, If a person does that and gets no feedback about how hostile they are and how unproductive it is, then the business will eventually falter and go out of business. Or they'll drive the best and the brightest away. What's not good is when people stay in environments like that with a hostile boss uh, and then complain about how terrible it is to work there. Well, that's the worst possible combination. If it's that terrible, confront it or leave. But don't stay there and whine about being a victim because you're a self-made victim at that point. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
1: This, this is, uh, so, so your, your reputation of uh, being a, um, uh, expert for disruptive change is surfacing here. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> right. This is very disruptive. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Jim, I tell, you know, I tell people all the time, if you want to be a change agent in your company, then number one commitment you must have is to be able to upset people and be okay with that. Change agents are upsetters. If you don't want to upset people, don't complain about the results because you won't get any. No change occurs because everything's going well. That flies so, in so, the face of human nature.
1: So the person that aspires to be the... Inspirational or the intellectual leader who wants to be liked and who has a high need for approval.
2: Right. This is not for no. them. Not for them. No, they ought not to run a running business and they ought to set up a child care center somewhere. <laughs> you know, where all these little kids will love them dearly. But that's not what business is about. No, no, business is about helping people grow and develop in the workplace by upsetting them regularly. Say that again. Yeah,
1: business is about what?
2: The Business is, it, it is about uh, uh, regularly making a commitment to upset people to help them change and grow and be able to go home at the end of the day having upset three people and have a great evening. If you can't do that, you're not going to grow much of a business. Oh, and that's good for people to get upset. So, you know, people don't become successful because everything's jim dandy and great in their life.
1: And what you're talking, what you're talking about here too, and I want to make that distinction for our listeners. This isn't about hostility and this is not about a personal attack. This is about addressing what people are doing, not who they are. Is that a fair
2: yeah. statement, Maury? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is about what they're doing. I mean, it is tied to who they are, uh, and they're going to have to make some changes in that. But it is had nothing to do with attacking people or being gratuitously mean to people. This is this is about I care about you enough to tell you that when you talk to me, you're talking at me instead of to me. And that drives me away. Is that what you want to do? You know, I often end an interaction with my clients by saying, here's your impact. Is that the way you want it to be? Well, And I'll tell you, Jim, 99% of people who who, uh, work in businesses or run businesses have not a clue about what their impact is on the people they work with. They Nobody cares enough to say, this is your impact. And it's not good. You want to keep doing this because it's not serving you well. You know, that's the point of being a change agent.
1: I want to stay on on this topic, but I also want to uh, respond to this email, which is changing a little bit here, Maury. So, but Mm -hmm. it's also tied to this very closely. Uh, Nancy writes in and says, how can the same definition of success applied to work situations as well as the quality of a personal life. How can success be the same success. definition both personally and professionally I'm thinking what she's asking us oh
2: oh yeah yeah well it's it's again the element of, of choice uh, if, if you're, you're the same person at work and at home and at home uh, if your choices are very limited, uh, and you're not getting what you want out of life and out of that relationship, are you willing uh to challenge it, give a partner that you care about feedback so that things change in a good direction? Uh, and that means running a risk. <clears throat> and that risk can mean that the relationship uh, is in jeopardy or the relationship ends. That, but I see that all, uh, all the time and understand that that's a great example is now young women on Wall Street between, let's say, late 20s and mid-30s are probably the most sought-after professionals in the country. They're more ambitious, they're smarter, they will work harder, and they'll take risks. So uh, firms gobble them up. Uh, that's the good news. The not so good news is they often don't marry partners that are as ambitious and clever as they are. So as they become more and more and more successful, have more and more choices in their life, they go home to their spouse, and and the spouse is going nowhere with his life. Right now, that at home that means either they challenge the spouse to grow, or the relationship could be headed toward divorce. Uh, And that's where the personal risk-taking comes in. Do they want to have a more fulfilling life? Well, if they do, that puts them in high-risk territory. And a number of them stop their growth to stay with a non-growth partner. That's sad to see, but I see it happening a lot. But then I see some of these women just going for the gold and their partner says, I'm not going to grow. That's not why I got married, was to grow with you. Okay? So you either take me as I am or, or leave. well no. And then they often leave. Wow.
1: Yeah. We're up against so, another break, Maury. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to this idea of um, success being choices, you know, talking about the truth. I want to remind our listeners, this uh, is the Serve Hour, and you are in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with host Jim Blackburn and special guest Maury Sheckman discussing the painful consequences of success. So when we come back, Maury, uh, let's share some additional insights that you have about today's topic. And I've got some questions that I'm seeing coming through on emails, uh, so we'll try to address those. So we shall be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica.
0: Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of the serve hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying.
3: Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously.
0: Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you.
3: Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth. And in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say. So take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to blackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to our conversation. You are listening to the Voice America Business Channel and the Serve Hour. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host, and I'm in conversation with special guest Maury Shekman, author and expert on organizational disruptive change. And I think if you've been listening to the uh, conversations that Maury and I have been sharing here, uh, you you understand what the word disruptive means. Uh, Maury, what I'd like mm-hmm. to do in this uh, last segment is cap off the idea that success involves choices Success uh, includes losses, severe losses, and success is about interpersonal risk, taking that kind of risk. Um, mm-hmm. But take us a little bit further. Let's say that that we have some people out there now saying, "Okay, I get all that. How can I avoid it? How, how can I not fall into that trap of avoiding?" going into denial, and self sabotaging
2: Well, you can avoid it, number one, by dramatically increasing your self-information. Self-information is one of the core concepts that will help you succeed and be able to manage the losses that come with it. Self-information means I know every day why I make the choices I make. I know what values they come from and I know what emotions they create, uh, and I can deal with them now because I know how they impact me and how I impact other people. So when, when people ask me all the time, well, you know, how, how did you get to that point? How did you figure this stuff out? Uh, I, I've done more work on myself than any other thing in my life, and that's what I caution people to look at. This is self-information is not about taking a course, not about getting an MBA. Uh, it's about, you know why you do what you do. The future uh, in our society is going to go to the self-informed. It's not going to go to the smarter, the harder working, uh, the more credentialed at all. We're seeing that played out in our society every day. People are getting very disillusioned with their experience at the American University because it is letting people down. It's not giving them self-information. It's giving them information that they can get in three seconds on Google. So it's not being very helpful. And that's where getting uh, unvarnished feedback helps people grow, because it gives them self-information. That's the key to maximizing success.
1: Maury, go back. You said self-information, and you said there are three things that you needed to be aware of. Why? You're making the choices you make, the values Mm -hmm. that uh, the choices are coming from, the the core values. And what was the third?
2: The third is, what are you aware of the feelings that you experience when you make choices and start to go through this change and through this loss? If you don't know what those feelings are... You're operating on automatic pilot, and your default is how you handled things at the earliest times in your life, which may not be appropriate for the present, okay? So so those those are the three things. Most decision-makers in most organizations don't have a clue about how they're feeling when they make tough choices. So then they do very dysfunctional stuff. Uh, and because there's no longer the context in which the original behaviors uh, started out. So you've got to know uh, what's going on on a feeling level. Business people love to think th- everything through. They don't necessarily like to feel everything through. Right? And the feelings will lead us to good decisions. Uh, our, our head will often betray us 50% of the time. And, Maury,
1: let me let me give our listeners a personal example of what you're talking about here, because when I first heard you talk about feelings, I was kind of like poo-pooing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember years ago that we were in a meeting with a number of other consultants, and I lost my cool, so to speak, uh, with one of the uh, women in the group and really, really uh, blew up. Um, And you interrupted that little episode with what in the world is going on with you, Jim. And I said, well, can't you see that she's doing this? She's that type of person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you responded with, of course I can see that. But she's not doing to me what she's doing to you. Mm -hmm. And I remember chewing on that for a good day to two days trying to figure out what in the hell was going on with me. And what I realized, as you just said uh, earlier, a few minutes ago, I went back to when I first started feeling the feelings that I was having with that individual. And they were the feelings I had as a little boy. And they were the feelings I had when I would be standing with a group of other six- or seven-year-olds waiting for our mothers to come pick us up. I would eventually be standing there alone. And when my mother would show up and I would get in the car and I would complain, I would be scolded and told mm-hmm. I didn't have a right to be upset because she had other children and other responsibilities. And I suppressed all that for most of my life. Is that what you're
2: talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's what, that's what's so critical for people, business to, to understand. Uh, the book I'm working on now, you know, the first sentence of the book is, uh, almost all businesses in America are run by five-year-olds in suits. <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's exactly what, what I mean. All, all these big business leaders are run by issues that started when they went to nursery school. And if they have no idea of how that stuff is driving their behavior, they make unbelievably stupid decisions. And it's coming from old stuff. You know, and when business people first hear this, they often, you know, have the reaction of, oh, this is of psychobabble stuff. You know, this has nothing to do with running a business. And they soon figure out it has everything to do with running a business. It is the business.
1: You know, I hear I hear a lot that what you do, what mm-hmm. I do, is soft, feely, and fuzzy. And my response mm-hmm. is, it's not soft; it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's not fuzzy; it's crystal clear, and it is feely. It's it's painful. Yeah, um, yeah. We we've, we've got <laughs> an email. We've got an email here. I want to address quickly, Maury. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. uh it's from your friend and mine gary bu um and oh. Gary thank you for for uh, listening and contacting us uh Gary wants you to address the grieving process that uh which follows the uh loss that all this change creates. Talk a little bit about that if you would Maury sure, sure.
2: Yeah, uh, good, good question. Uh, uh, and I say hi to Gary. Uh, we had a great time working together years ago. Uh, the grieving process is intrinsic to our life because we're changing at a fast pace. Grieving process is, is a process we go through no matter how minor or major the change is. And it has five stages. Number one, shock and denial. The first reaction to loss is it really isn't happening. And someone must be mistaken. Uh, and we see these in death announcements that, for example, police have to deliver in the middle of the night. So you can expect people's first reaction to be, uh, you know, hey, I, I don't, I'm not really going to have to deal with this. You must be mistaken. Not going to happen to me. And that's not bad. That's good. It allows people to buffer the impact of the loss. Second is anger. We, we get angry. Because we need to find someone to blame for the loss. So if, and, and understand that none of this is logical or rational. It's all emotional. And it is the logic of emotion that's driving this process. So people get angry. You know, when you're dealing with someone in the anger phase, don't argue with them. It's counterproductive. Just keep your mouth shut and listen. Because they need to get angry. Then they go into bargaining. And bargaining says, well, this probably, I know it's going to impact people, but probably not me that much. They're trying to dilute the impact of the loss. That's what bargaining is. You'll see them do this when companies introduce a whole new software system. People will say, well, we understand it's going to really throw things up for grabs, but not in my work. Then you get depression. Depression is looking at the world through manure colored glasses. Everything looked equally awful, and that means that change has set in. It's actually going to happen, and it's profound, and it's going to irretrievably change my life. And the last stage is acceptance. Acceptance means choosing the choice that sucks the least, right? And that's what adult ex- acceptance is about. We go through that process, uh, for some people, almost daily because of the pace of change. But you can expect that process to be there with any kind of change in a business that's significant. People will go through the grieving process. That's why when you make a change in business, the very first thing you do is identify the losses. The worst thing companies do is make a change and then celebrate the gains. All that does is piss people off. So when you make a corporate change, you deal first with what are we losing here, which allows people to get into the grieving process and begin to work things through. So I hope that answers the question that Gary raised. Uh, good, well, you know, good question.
1: It, it does, and it's, I think, uh, very uh, timely that Gary asked the question because as we're talking about the painful consequences of success, w- w- that's what yeah. we're talking about. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's about um, being able to grieve as you're going through the process of succeeding. And the other thing yeah, that I right. think we, we aren't going to have time for, because again, Maury, we're up against uh, a close mm-hmm. here, is the difference between acute grief and chronic grief and what the damage mm-hmm. can be with that type of chronic stuck and staying in that one particular place which is prob- probably a topic of another another broadcast if I can get you to come back on with me.
3: Sure. Uh, let's sure, let's do
1: this you. though. Mori, uh, we're going to have to close here. You have shared so much insight here about the demons of succeeding, uh what the three types of risk uh are. Do you have any final words you would like to share with our listeners as we bring this to a close? about our topic and about
2: some of the things you've touched on? Uh, Yeah, I guess uh, leave the listeners uh, with with this point. Uh, Begin to realize and embrace the fact that you are one person and get rid of this mythology about being one person at work and one person at home. That's done untold damage in our society, and that leads to burnout. You will not lead a balanced life in America anymore. That's gone. Uh, and come to terms of the fact you want to lead a blended life where you bring together who you are personally, who you are professionally. That's the way to really maximize success in our culture.
1: Maury, this, this has been beyond my expectations. I, I can't tell you what a privilege it's been to have you with me today. Uh, this does, it's deja vu for me. It's been, what, 14, 15 years since we've had this kind of yeah. time together, but it, it really has been a remarkable conversation from my point of view and I'm sure for our listeners. Well, uh, good, good. What I'd like to do here is briefly talk about our next broadcast, which will be next Wednesday, July 8th at 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Our topic of conversation the Leadership Paradox, a discussion of how leadership cannot be taught, yet it can be learned. Maury, again, it's been a pleasure visiting with you over the past hour. And to our listeners, thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Um, Nancy and Gary, thank you for the questions. This has yeah. been a serve hour with Jim Blackburn and special guest, Maury Shekman.
0: Thank you for listening to the Serve Hour's provocative conversation. Please rejoin your host, Jim Blackburn, during the Serve Hour, each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.